This is New Classical Tracks from listener-supported American Public Media. If you're enjoying this podcast, the best thing that you can do for the show is to tell somebody else about it. Help spread the word and take a moment to rate and review us on your podcasting app. Andre Dowell is the Chief of Artist Engagement for the Sphinx Organization. He's had this position for the past 15 years, and he first got involved with Sphinx way back when he himself was a music major in Michigan. We're going to hear about that, as well as all of his duties around the Sphinx Organization and how excited he is that Sphinx Virtuosi has finally had a chance to release their debut recording. It's called Songs for Our Times. That's the recording we're hearing about this week on new classical tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Micker. Well, let's start off, Andre, by having you introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what your role is with the Sphinx organization. Yeah, so I became involved with the Sphinx organization when I was a student at the University of Michigan. I was a freshman and they had the Sphinx competition for young black and Latino classical musicians at the time. And that specific year was the first time that they had put together an all black and Latino professional orchestra. Now, the organization was founded by Aaron Dworkin, who was a student at the University of Michigan. He founded the organization while he was a student there. I happened to also go to the University of Michigan, who was supporting the Sphinx competition. And so as a freshman, I was able to have the opportunity to perform as a timpanist in the first Sphinx Symphony Orchestra to play for the national uh, Sphinx competition. I was able to um, study and connect with professionals around the world who I would have never otherwise had the opportunity to connect with. And it was such an amazing experience and really opened my eyes to the world of classical music. And you yourself uh, started off at the piano, and you have a wonderful musical history, thanks to your mom, who uh, persisted, I think, a little bit on getting you to take piano lessons. Do you want to talk a little bit about your own musical upbringing? Absolutely, yes. And shout out to my mom um, for putting me at a very young age in piano lessons and also instilling characteristics in me that lead to where I am today. And so at a very young age, my mother had made me take piano lessons and I hated it. And so I ended up taking it for just a a few months and ended up quitting the piano and then really finding a love on my own for piano self-discovery a few years later. And so asked my mom to please give me piano lessons again. So I was able to enroll in piano lessons and to get that background. And then at the same time, I grew up in the Southern Black Baptist Church where I played the drum set um, as well. And, and quick story is that I actually showed up to church one day and there was a drum set. Um, and I didn't know that we had a drum set player. And when I walked into church, the pastor said, we got you a drum set. And so the drum set was for me and I had no idea. And I went up there and I played that very first Sunday having never played the drum set before. Um, but that that's the type of support system that's inherited 
And that's the type of support system that the Sphinx organization does as well in terms of providing opportunities and providing resources that otherwise would not be there for you. I love that story about your church because there are so many artists, composers, musicians who who can, you know, go back to their roots in the church for where they first got their inspiration and support. So I, I just love hearing that about you, Andre. Thank you. I want to talk about your role with Sphinx Virtuosi. Tell me what you do to support that ensemble and also a little bit about how it even evolved. Yeah, great. So the the Sphinx Virtuosi is a professional self-conducted chamber ensemble and really the only touring ensemble that is part of or is managed by the Sphinx organization. We actually started as the Sphinx Chamber Orchestra in 2004, where we played at Carnegie Hall, and we've been playing at Carnegie Hall annually since 2004. But it was a Sphinx Chamber Orchestra, and at the time, it was really an opportunity to provide the musicians with another avenue of being able to experience music by composers of color with musicians of color. And so it wasn't a touring ensemble initially in 2004. In 2008, as the Sphinx Chamber Orchestra that was conducted at the time, um, we were able to to tour um, about a 10-city tour in the year 2008. And from there, it kind of evolved um, into what you have today, 18-member self-conducted chamber ensemble of professional musicians who are now soloists in their own right, professors at universities, and freelance musicians as well. And so my role with the organization as the Chief of Artist Engagement is to really understand the talent that is out there and to be able to kind of recruit the musicians who perform with the Sphinx Virtuosi. Um, We are currently co-managed with MKI Artists. So my job is also to oversee the booking process with my great uh, colleague, Bill Neary. Um, And so my job is to really establish those partnerships with venues, maintain those partnerships, um, talk with venues about what it is they're doing in terms of their diversity initiatives, community engagement in terms of how they are engaging their community, not just the youth, but also their audiences and educating them about our mission, which is transforming lives through the power of diversity in the arts. I know that the Sphinx organization has helped to launch many careers, and I'm curious if that's also true of Sphinx Virtuosi. Have there been people in the ensemble who have literally been able to kind of take off and go do other things because of their involvement in that ensemble? Yeah, the great thing about Sphinx Virtuosi is that we involve a lot of musicians from very different um, levels and, and very different parts of their life. And so one of the many things that we do is really helping to foster composers who may not have the opportunity to have their works performed uh, around the world. And so we do a lot of commissions, happy to work with a lot of composers um, to do new commissions for the Sphinx Virtuosi. And so every single year that we tour, Now, um, for the past several years, we are commissioning a new composer to write for the Sphinx Virtuosi. And a lot of those composers have gone on to have great careers 
um, because they are not only exposing music to the different venues, but also the musicians who are performing with the ensembles have the opportunity to bring that back to their respective institutions, back to their respective quartets, back to their respective colleagues, and really uplift and expand the, the, the canon that way. In addition to the composers, we typically feature a, an artist every single year, a solo artist who, a, who is really launching their career, either they're in the beginning of their careers or they already have a professional career. And so having the opportunity to tour a program and go into different cities and, and for them to meet different um, executive directors of orchestras and venues and to really launch their performance careers is something that is also um, a, a great opportunity for several of the musicians. On a, on a separate level, a lot of musicians, as I said, are um, professors at universities. And so one of the other things that we do um, is really go out into the community, doing community engagement, doing master classes, doing coachings, and really exposing the musicians that way to the community to be able to network and connect with the students on that level as well. Sphinx Virtuosi has just released their debut album, which seems like I was kind of surprised, actually. It didn't occur to me they hadn't put out a recording prior to this. Why was now the right time to put out their debut recording? You know, that's a, that's a great question. It's something that we've been wanting to do for a while. And uh, over the past couple of years, we have, we've had the great opportunity to have our programs um, be comprised solely of musicians who are Black or Latino. Um, and so with that, we really wanted to, to have an album out that represented not only the Sphinx organization, but the Sphinx Virtuosi. And so one thing that you'll find with our debut album of the Sphinx Virtuosi is that every composer is a composer of color. So, you know, they're Black or Latino, which is, which is our mission, Transforming Lives with the Power of Diversity in the Arts. Also, I'll, I'll say that it would be hard-pressed to find an album of classical music comprised solely of Black and Latino uh, composers. The title of this recording is Songs for Our Times. Why is this title so significant, Andre? The title Songs for Our Times really represents all of the repertoire that you will find on the debut album and talking about the history of the Sphinx organization itself. You know, we have composers like Michael Abels, who is a composer that has been with the organization and actually uh, we commissioned Michael Abels for our 10th anniversary um, several years ago for the Sphinx Symphony Orchestra at the time. And so Songs for Our Times really, really digs into composers that we've worked with in the past, um, celebrating artists and, and composers who have paved the way. We talk about Florence Price, for example, Aldemar Romero, and we talk about composers who are of today as well. We talk about uh, Jesse Montgomery, um, Valerie Coleman, uh, Carlos Simon, and we have a great arrangement um, of Beethoven's Bridge Tower by uh, Ruben Rangel. So it's really songs for our times going into the past, 
the rich history of the Sphinx organization and how that intertwines with the composers of today. Are any of the composers on this recording composers whose careers have been launched with the support of the Sphinx organization, as we were talking about a bit ago? I wouldn't I wouldn't say that that the composers careers have been launched. Um, I will say that the composers careers have been expanded. Um, One of the things of the organization is that we really want to bring composers who may not be in the spotlight, um, but already have careers that are are deserving and need to be heard. They are voices that need to be heard. I'll use Jesse Montgomery as an example. Jesse Montgomery is actually a former member of the Sphinx Virtuosi, and she was also with the Sphinx Chamber Orchestra when we performed the very first year as a touring orchestra. Um, Jesse Montgomery is a violinist and also composer. I remember commissioning Jesse Montgomery for a piece that was called Starburst that was meant to be an encore piece for the Sphinx Virtuosi. That was the very, very first commission that we did with Jesse Montgomery was an encore piece called Starburst. And we loved that piece so much, it ended up becoming a part of our program. And that piece is performed widely around the nation, around the country, around the world now. And so Jesse Montgomery's career, while um, she already was a great composer, is a composer who we were able to perform her pieces and introduce Jesse Montgomery's work to the world. Let's talk about Jessie Montgomery's piece, Divided, which she says is in response to, quote, the sense of helplessness that people seem to feel in a world that seems to be in constant crisis. How does she reflect that? What is she reflecting in the music that represents that helplessness? Can you talk more about that? Yeah, Divided is a fantastic work that she just so happened to composed during the pandemic. Um, It's performed by a great cellist by the name of Tommy Mesa. And the piece itself, the cellist starts out um, the piece in its entirety and kind of uh, weaves itself and and has its juxtaposition with the ensemble where where it's battling and struggling to find its place in the world. This sense of, of, of helplessness is is very, very apparent from the from from the opening passage where the cellist is very expressive in in the helplessness uh, that comes across and just really looking for help. And as the piece evolves and develops, there's just unrelenting uh, gestures and music and rhythmic drive. the cellist to the ensemble that's echoed in the ensemble in the urgency um, that you will hear um, in, in the music. 
The piece that opens the recording is Global Warming by Michael Abels, who won the 2023 Pulitzer Prize for Music. And he wrote this a while ago, if I'm understanding this correctly, when it had a different meaning when international relations were kind of thawing out after the fall of the Berlin Wall. And it was first played for President Nelson Mandela, I believe, if I'm reading all this correctly. And what was interesting is that he leaves the ending kind of open for interpretation, which has allowed this piece to have meaning well, you know, over decades now. And that's kind of cool, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was a reference, you know, to the end of the Cold War originally, but taking on a lot of different meanings as well. And so this arrangement, of course, with all music, wants to leave the listener to interpret that to their own discretion. It was written for full orchestra, and now it's been rearranged for string orchestra and percussion. Well, I guess that was in 2018 already. Was that originally for the Sphinx Virtuosi when he did that new arrangement then? Yeah, that, ar- that arrangement was specifically for the, the Sphinx Virtuosi. That's correct. I want to move on to the piece by the Venezuelan composer Aldemaro Romero, which is this interesting combination of dance music with fugal writing. Can you talk about why this piece was so important to have on this debut release? This piece um, by Venezuelan composer Aldemaro Romero was was extremely important for the for the Sphinx Virtuosi. We played this piece a few years ago on our tour, and um, at the time we were really delving into the Romero, which which you'll notice also has a great uh, violin solo cadenza in the middle of the piece that's played by. Sandro Leo Santi Esteban. Um, and we're really getting to the roots of the, the traditional Venezuelan waltz and just the Brazilian jazz elements of the ensemble. And we really wanted to showcase that part of the Sphinx Virtuosi for Black and Latino classical musicians. The, it's, it's a riveting fugue that's played as a traditional Venezuelan dance characterized by accents and so really highlights the traditions of uh, Venezuelan uh, music. There's a really unusual time signature in the piece by Ricardo Hertz. It's called Sisyphus in the Big City, and it made me wonder, well, is Sisyphus trying to outrun death? What's going on here? Why do we have this 2516 time signature? <laughs> the 2516 time signature is, is, is actually, it's great. Um, if you listen to the music enough, you'll be able to understand and feel the, the rhythmic structure of this piece. Mm-hmm. 
it goes 4-4-4-4 plus 3-3-3, which is not something that's that's traditionally in American music or traditional music, you're used to 4-4 time signatures. It's something that requires a lot of communication um, in terms of being able to play that that type of time signatures while also keeping uh, the groove as well. How do you do that with no conductor? <laughs> there's a there's a lot of communication that happens with the ensemble, um, and it, it really starts um, with respect for each of the musicians across the board in terms of trusting where the beats are and and being able to play with each other. You know, being able to play in this time signature, while it sounds difficult, it really just starts with communication. And so the ensemble does a great job of just singing together playing together, understanding each other's cues, where the downbeats are. And um, it's not an easy task by any means at all. Um, but once you understand the rhythmic patterns and the structures of the piece, everything is just becomes natural as an ensemble. Valerie Coleman's two-movement piece, Tracing Visions, is on this recording, and each of the movements is so powerful. Would you share the story behind each of these, please? Yes. Um, the, the first movement talks about Emmett Till, a young Black male who was basically uh, abducted and, and tortured in, in Mississippi, accused of offending a, a woman. And um, it's just a very sad, sad story. Um, we talk about Emmett Till and other victims of domestic terrorism, if, if you will. It's a striking movement that pays homage to what we have to experience. And she pulls the audience and the musicians in a lot of different directions in terms of the the mood that the piece takes you in and and it's a remembrance the second movement amendla which means power is a celebration of where we have come in our society. And she takes this motif and really expands it to uplift the work that has been done and that we continue to do and the fight that we continue to have um, in our society. And she also does something really clever rhythmically by inserting Sphinx in Morse code. Do you know where we hear that? Is it right at the beginning of the piece? It's at the beginning. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's at the beginning uh, of the piece and is a motif that's, that starts at the beginning of the second movement. And is a motif that is that is played throughout throughout the work and is and is really filled with rhythmic structures that allows what we call the Sphinx familia to really enjoy themselves. 
This recording closes out with Beethoven's Sonata Number no. 9, the presto from that sonata. Which many of us know as the Kreutzer Sonata, though I noticed that you refer to it as the Bridge Tower Sonata. Can you share that story with us? Why it's so important to make sure that we acknowledge the violinist to whom this work was actually dedicated. Yeah, yeah, it was actually um, dedicated to a, a black violinist, fantastic virtuoso violinist by the name of George Bridge Tower. And the story is that George Bridge Tower and Beethoven were originally friends. So he wrote this for George Bridge Tower. And the story is that George Bridgetower and Beethoven got into an unfortunate fight, if you will, where George Bridgetower essentially offended Beethoven over an interaction with one of Beethoven's female friends. And so he stripped the piece of George Bridgetower and dedicated it to Kreitzer. And a lot of people don't know that story. They know it as as the Kreitzer, and, and it's not originally written for him. And legend also has it that Kreitzer actually never really liked the work. And so he while he stripped it from Bridge Tower and gave it to Kreitzer, and that's what people know it as, we wanted to make sure that people understood the rich history um, of the work itself and the original dedication to George Bridge Tower. So we had a great... Venezuelan violinist and arranger Ruben Rangel, who is also a rotating member of the Sphinx Virtuosi. We had him arrange this piece specifically for the Sphinx Virtuosi. Finally, I just want to ask you, Andre, you know, this is the debut recording for Sphinx Virtuosi, and now that it's all together and getting ready to be, you know, put out there for everyone to enjoy, what does it mean to you and Sphinx to have this debut recording released? Well, I think it's, it's really a testament to the work that we've done over the past 25 years as a reflection of the musicians that we've worked with, the composers that we've worked with, the commissions that we've been able to do, the representation of diversity, um, really amplifying the music of Black um, and Latinx composers, showcasing their talents, bringing attention to historically excluded voices in the classical world, shedding light on up and coming composers as well, um, representing uh, diversity, our cultural heritage, and inspiring future artists, not just performers, not just composers. We're talking about audiences, listeners, and advocates for social justice. So this, this, this album, Songs for Our Times, um, was very timely for the organization and really expands on, on our great mission. 
Andre Dowell. He's the chief of artist engagement for Sphinx organization, and he's very involved with Sphinx Virtuosi. They just released their debut recording, Songs for Our Times, and you heard about it right here on New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. Thanks to our producer, Valerie Kaler. I'm Julia Mocker.